Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to hey. Tone Talk with Mark Zansky and Dave Friedman. It's episode 99. Unreal. It <laughs> still blows me away. Uh, episode 99, and we've got a killer guest today with us, Dan Gower of Gower Amplification. How you doing, Dan? Doing great, thanks, guys. How you doing? I'm doing good. Doing Dave, good. what's happening with you? I don't know. It's 10 a.m. here. It's early. I'm a, little, I'm a little jealous. Dan's got the drink going, and I, I, it's ten. It's a little <laughs> early for me. I don't think that's a good idea. I'm going to work the rest of the day. Yeah, that's it. It's yeah. It's bourbon o'clock. <laughs> bourbon o'clock. Exactly. That's cool. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. Yeah, this is a first for for well for a long time that we've actually done a Saturday show in the afternoon. I actually I prefer it because I feel energized. <laughs> As opposed well, to a Friday a, night, I mean, it's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea, actually, because I feel really more alive. And on Friday nights at nine o'clock after a work day, I'm like, oh, so tired. <laughs> but now I got to do it. Yeah, one one to four hour show. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. It's tough sometimes. But uh, but hey, I wanted to uh, start off the show. Um, this show today is a paid promotion by. Sure Microphone and Sweetwater. Uh, this month is Sure Microphone Month uh, with Sweetwater, and they have an SM58 contest going on today. Um, so if you go over to their Instagram page and enter their contest, you have a chance of winning uh, an SM58, uh, one like this, but in three different colors. So it would be red, white, or blue, I believe, um, that you would get. Uh, for an SM58. It's only for today for 5-8, May 8th, SM58. So make sure you go to their Instagram page. Um, and I know, Dave, you've, oh, there you go. That's an SM57. We're, we're, we're a fan of Sure on the show. We, I mean, both Mark and I have an SM7 sitting here, right here. And then Dan here, uh, you know, he's got a 57 floating around right in front of him. Like, yeah, like Who's, a 20-year-old 57 still looks good as no. Yeah, who doesn't use Sure mics live or even in the studio? I mean, it's it's the fifty eight, the fifty seven, the SM seven, some different condensers. I mean, they're pretty much industry standard, and you know they they also serve another purpose. They can be used as a hammer, also. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you need to bang something in at, on, on the gig. Well, there you go. <laughs> I'm not going to demonstrate. <laughs> You don't believe me they're that rugged? <laughs> they are. They are. But yeah, make sure you guys um, enter the contest if you want to win today uh, this microphone. So they have one of three microphones that you can win. Um, and just some SM58 info that they sent me I thought was interesting was uh, it was debuted in 1966. I don't know if you guys knew that. That's pretty interesting. Um, it, it can be used for it's mostly used for vocals, right? I mean, it can be used for guitar too. From what right, I as I say, fifty-eight is not really much different from a fifty-seven, from what I understand. But uh, I've used it on guitar. It sounds actually really cool on guitar. Yeah, it's a it's a multi-purpose. Yeah, yeah. So, so make sure you check out the contest if you want, and then also this month is microphone month at. Sweetwater and Sweetwater is a fantastic place to buy your microphones, obviously. So, click Recording the link that we gear. have. 
any gear of course and any gear well the microphone month is kind of comprised of mics and recording gear and everything so yeah click the link down below and uh you we, you'll help you'll help our show and you will help sweetwater in microphone month perfect awesome so dan what time is it your your way it's like six o'clock yeah it's just gone 6 p.m yeah so you're wrapping so, up your day yeah it's a, it's been a wonderful cloudy rainy typical uk day you ever been to england before i haven't i know dave has i, I have oh yeah so you know exactly what i'm talking about right a bunch of times yeah <laughs> uh yeah exactly quite the opposite from california yeah where um it rains maybe five days a year and then uh, it's uh, pretty much uh between 70 to 90 degrees the rest of the year <laughs> oh. i'm in the wrong place apparently <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i'm in the wrong place hopefully not for long though i'm i'm planning to actually move so, oh yeah oh yeah 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 heading out to europe so uh i'm gonna be well hopefully i'm gonna be living in south austria so oh wow absolutely stunning it's just that's cool for me it's, it's easily like one of my favorite places i've ever been so i've been there in all the different seasons and it's how far just, away is that from you is that like, like from me hours? currently yeah. yeah uh it's it's like barely two hours flight okay so it's not it's not like a it's not a long way away really so yeah uh, you know, I, I spent like a, a bunch of time there and in slovenia um because my girlfriend she lives in slovenia so i uh i've sort of been back and forth between there loads you know but then oh. obviously then we know what happened then with the uh with the pandemic yeah so everything all came to a stop and i think i've seen her maybe like three times or four times in over a year oh wow. Oh, that's yeah. Rough. Yeah. Right now it's, it's been since January. So yeah. But well, hopefully soon, mm -hmm. but yeah, I can't wait to get back out to that, that part of uh, Europe is great. So have you been real busy as like yeah, everybody yeah, else is in the industry? Yeah. I was kind of, I was kind of shocked to be honest because when it, when it all kicked in, um, my initial thought in my mind was shit this is this is probably not going to go well and i was thinking people are going to be not working they're going to not going to be putting their hands in their pockets to spend on gear they're not going to want to do any of that stuff and about probably one month in i was proven very 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 wrong <laughs> I, I understand <laughs> this so yeah it it went from i went from being busy to being backlogged like just like that yeah where where you're looking at all the amps sitting there and you're going oh boy how many yeah. are here and i start counting them and you're like oh god we're gonna get yeah. people people are gonna start to be mad soon <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, well luckily for me people haven't been getting mad with me they've actually been quite understanding but um to be honest, you know, when, when you've got them lined up in the in the hallway outside of your office door, you know, it starts to look like Ingvay Malmsteen's live rig. It's just, <laughs> you know, they're just stacked up. Like. So, uh, yeah, before you know it, they're just, uh, it's just growing like 10 foot high with marshals. But, yeah, to, to be totally honest, I'm, I'm never going to complain about that stuff. I, I feel incredibly lucky. So I'm happy to do what I do. So, 
No, it's fantastic. Yeah. But yeah, so, it has been busy though. That's for sure. I haven't really stopped. I'm going to jump right in because we've got like some super chat questions right away and I don't want to miss them. Um, so combustion. Thanks for the super chat. Hey everyone. Hope you're doing well. Dave and Dan, what do you think you do differently from one another when modifying a JCM 2203 or 2205? Hmm. It depends on what you want. Yeah, you know what? What? What's your description of what you need or what you want? I mean, that might dictate what. I, I mean, there's similarities to things that both Dan and I do uh, mm -hmm. in circuit wise and stuff for sure. I mean, yeah. uh, it's it's you know, you, you know, if you break it down, it's a gain stage in front of a gain stage in front of a you know with the EQ with the master volume, and it's kind of like it's still the Marshall architecture. It's just how many gain stages and yeah. in what sort of recipe did you make to make those gain stages um i it depends on what you want <laughs> yeah i mean i, I would yeah. say right off the bat where where you've mentioned uh jason 2203 versus 2205 i mean structurally those those two amps are vastly different circuits so i mean if you just crack one of those open you're not immediately going to be able to apply the exact same circuit to the 2205 as you would apply to that 2203 you've you've kind of got like a a pretty simple canvas to work with with the 2203 i mean whereas the the 2205 obviously you've got the two channel thing you've got the different yeah I, so i always tell people in the 2205 it's like well yes yeah, so we can mod it if we're gonna gut it yeah because the, it's a totally different architecture and it doesn't really apply to what you know you're doing yeah. You can put a new circuit board in it and then and then it becomes whatever you want it to become. Yeah, that's the, something I've done before with those. Yeah. Um, and the same with the 2210, you know, they I, I got feeling there's there's two different variations though of that circuit. I know that there's there's two very different styles. You've got the early the earlier version or the late version, and if I'm not mistaken the late version has another gain stage in there compared mm. to the earlier one. So right off the bat, though, I mean, I think you've got one extra preamp tube in the the later one. I think that's already in there, like it's already added. So I don't, I don't, you know, most of the time I try not to mod those. Yeah, uh, I, just, I just tell people, look, I can do it, but we're gonna have to gut it, and it's gonna cost you extra money, mm. and, and and that's fine. But it's you know, I don't know you know, put a board in, I mean, the board's going to be a couple hundred dollars loaded or something, and then you're going to have to pay me to put it in and then mod it, so to speak. That's it. You end uh, up with like double the price by the end of the job. Yeah. You know, sometimes I guess if you can, if you have one lying around and it's, if it's, you know, if you haven't had to go out and spend anything to get it, then maybe it's worth doing. Um, right. But if, if you're like going out of your way to actually go and buy one, I would just say stick to the, stick to the, the 2203s or the the 59s things like that you know the mm -hmm. ones that are like a straight ahead mod platform yeah the 2203s the originals are well sort of sought after these days i mean yeah it's it's really weird in the uk um i mean i've always been sourcing amps for for customers and i there was a time where i was picking those up for maybe five six hundred pounds and sometimes even lower than that. And now, for some reason, you know, there's loads of them on eBay that have just been sitting there since the beginning of the pandemic. And people are listing them for like two grand. 
mm-hmm. and they're not lowering their prices. Um, no. They're just sitting there, just waiting for someone to uh, to just you know get well, desperate and, and grab one. But well, here it's even worse. I mean, it, it's like you, you look at reverb and and different things, and and I mean, a JC man, it's twenty five hundred. US. I was going to have to say twenty five hundred bucks all day yeah. long, and yeah. there's none left. Yeah, it's like void. Like there, all everything went up, and almost there's none. No, no product. Yeah. So, uh, you know, even even like the for a while, the cheapest you could get, like say a nineteen eighty seven X reissue fifty, which you are cool mod candidates. What, the cheapest you could get it for a while was fourteen hundred US, and now it's eighteen hundred US. Yeah, or two thousand. Right. I mean, and and you, really, it's not. I mean, it can be a good amp, but I, it's not really worth. I don't a used one. I don't think it's worth. I mean, an old one is worth money, but a used. I don't know. It's okay, yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. probably really worth the fourteen hundred. Yeah, I think I think those high used prices they're more in line with what I would have spent on a on an original. Yeah, I mean, before oh. I, I remember finding things like seventy early seventies fifty watts for maybe like you could get them for around fourteen hundred. Right, maybe you know. Yeah, um, and and then all bad. everything. No, the vintage stuff. Forget it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Occasionally, yeah. you can find something at a at somewhat decent price that is a little bit wrecked, but still has the good, good components. And if you're going to mod it, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, when, when you start getting late seventies four input amps, which are not the greatest in the world, circuit boards that fall apart in your hands. Mm. <laughs> I'm sure you've experienced that one. You're like, Oh <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. fuck. <laughs> you, know, you know what? It's like every time you, you go, um, you go working on those, and after a while, you actually start doing things like snipping parts from the top. Yeah, because you know they're going to break underneath mm-hmm. the minute you desolder them. I mean, usually half the time I end up like you know where you hack the the broken off bit, and then you scrape off the the silk screen and everything behind the back to get I a new st- track. I but started. It- I started with the parts on those. I started heating the part from the top of the board and pulling it that way, and it, it was less. Um, less hard on the on the on the trace because it would yeah. just heat the solder up more indirectly and you could pull them out that way and then clean yeah. them up and and that worked a lot better but man if you have to rework them a few times forget it it's going to fall apart <laughs> yeah yeah you get one chance with those and i mean it's yeah. a lot of times it's, it works great if you if you snip the the one one of the legs really close to the body and just yeah. it up because yeah. when they go in the board they put the the leads in and then they bend them out yeah. So it's, it's like a bulb. It's like a fishing hook. You just pull it hard enough and you just tear the whole sock, the, uh, yeah. the trace straight out. It's so, funny how those early circuit boards were like that, but then you moved you moved to the late 70s JMPs and they got better. Yeah. Uh, yeah less fragile. Um, bigger. Uh, I'm still single-sided boards, but bigger um, traces and uh, bigger pads and just it held up better. Yeah, the 800s and stuff seem to be pretty solid in that respect, unless they've been messed around with a few times. Yeah. But generally, though, um, though the, the the worst of all of them definitely have got to be like, you know, the ones that had the, the that earlier revision board. You know, there's there's more parts that are like really close together inside. You see it on mm-hmm. like everything from 70, late 73, I guess, till 76. Yeah. And they're just terrible. I know. 
And yeah. those are the amps that are going for really high dollar now. <laughs> <laughs> Probably broken. Not, not the greatest amps in the world. No. Crazy prices these days. Um, thanks for the super chat, the Hoppo. Just want to say hi to Dan, and although I've never met him in person, consider him a mate. And thanks again for gowering my JVM stealth. Hey, Hoppo. Very cool. welcome. Very cool. Um, yeah, that was a fun one. It's one of those blacked out uh, JVMs. Did you oh, see yeah. that? Inside. Thing. Everything's just blacked yeah. out. You can't even see what the controls do. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I did an amp for a friend Reza that it was all blacked out, and it was, uh, you know, it's a satin black panel, and then shinier black writing on the satin black panel, and the logo's the same. You got to look at it sideways to understand which one <laughs> controls what. It does look cool, and, and I'm, gonna, to a gig. I'm gonna make a bunch of those, and and everyone wants it black like that. I'm like, okay, yeah, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> you should put a piece of tape on the on the lower part of your thing so you know what the controls are <laughs> yeah, you know what I, it's probably fine for those guys to just like dime everything you know just uh, everything on 10 and you don't have to worry about what any of them do just <laughs> i saw a faceplate that you did dave it seemed like a one-off for somebody it was like all black and the knobs if i remember were black but it had different white white block lettering underneath like the bass treble and mid. yeah just it would be a black and white panel instead of a black and gold panel so it's just um mm. white writing yeah. yeah so like our b100 deluxe is 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 a black panel with just gold writing right so this is just the black panel with white writing which our like synergy is okay yeah it's great oh yeah all right that's cool yeah but it looked like it had a like a black box around the or like a white box i'm sorry a white box around the the, the words oh maybe it was the was it was i thinking uh, of naked, naked amp or something i don't know no the naked was different um that that's the one i did for reza and that's um that's maybe where i saw it maybe it was that's Reza's that's, that's black on black okay no, i don't know no i it was I saw a weird faceplate. I was of yours. I was like, "Oh, that's interesting," because you can yeah. still see it. It was like you could still tell where you were on the on, on the face. So, yeah. anyway, uh, Toshi MMA fight. Oh, okay, yeah. what's up? Uh, thanks for the uh, the super chat. Hi, I'm Toshiro. Um, could you please tell me how you met Mr. Mike Fortin and how you came to develop Cali and Killer Cali Plus Plus? Also, please tell me the improvements from the Cali to the Killer Cali Plus Plus. Is that? Yeah, that's that's an interesting yeah. one. So, I guess you have to tell your story first, which might be. Yeah, I mean that kind of how you got like, into all this. Yeah, it all kind of ties in together, really, because uh, I guess if we if we go back kind of from the beginning, I mean, I I started with guitar at like really really young. I started playing at the age of six, and it was just obsession for me. So by the time I was in my early teens, I'd probably developed most of the playing shops that I have now. Um, it's just by that point, I think you've, you spend all the time obsessing over the plane and the technique that you start, re you start realizing that it's actually a lot more than just the plane. You, you have to have the tone to match. And at that point I was, I was playing through like, I think for the first, 
six years i was playing through like a like a multi-effect pedal or something you know into a like a solid state amp you know the typical beginner stuff back in the day and and um i ended up diving into the the tube amp world i think the first tube amp i got was one of those old carving x100s oh <laughs> you know the, you know the one that has the fuzzy carpet cover uh-huh. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so spectacular that, sounding amp mm. oh yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so that that was the that was the first thing for me and it ended up being used as a clean power amp for a modeler uh it wasn't much of an improvement but it, it actually didn't work very well like it had a few problems and i pretty much at the time you know being a kid i didn't have the money um and i didn't also know where to where to go to have this stuff repaired so even though on the back of the chassis it says you know warning no user serviceable parts inside high voltage everything you know i opened up the thing and started fiddling around until i got zapped and uh you know bit by bit i i just at the time i i took a guess and tried to like look and see if i could fix this thing and uh i i managed to do it and it sort of at that point suddenly sparked a little bit of interest in this stuff so i i sort of got more into it so fast forward a little bit further along from that a few years later and I ended up inheriting a JCM 800 2204. Uh, it was it was given to me by a neighbour, um, and I, at the time I was blown away because it actually was the amp I was saving up to buy. Uh, I was I was obsessed with all the guitar players who played for Aussie, and you always saw JCM 800s and things like that on the stage. So I always thought, yeah, if I get the JCM 800, I'm going to sound like Jake. It's just, just going to click, you know, I'm going to get Jake's tone instantly or I'm going to sound like Zach or whoever else. And uh, I, I got this 2204 and, oh, the disappointment. It, <laughs> it just, I can still I remember it like so vividly the first time I plugged in. Because I'd come from playing really compressed gear, uh, you know, you, your typical effects, pedals, modelers. I used to even be boosting the front end of those things with a, an overdrive. So you can imagine then you go from these, you know, ultra compressed systems to a bone dry 800. And even if you stack two tube screams in front, it's still not going to even be slightly forgiving compared to what you might have been used to. Right. So yeah, there was this, this huge disappointment and it kind of then gave me the thought, okay, well, why doesn't mine sound like this? And why doesn't why doesn't mine sound like some of these other ones that I've seen in these album booklets and liner notes and everything? And so I bit by bit I dug in deeper to try and find out why I could and started to find out, yeah, okay, so many of these guys are using modded marshals. I didn't exactly know what that really even meant, like by modified. But so that kind of got me into the whole obsession with finding out more about this stuff at that point i was just hooked and uh so i was getting my hands on as much reading material as i could i mean at the time i didn't really know much about like the 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 stuff that we all know now as like as the main like tube amp textbooks and things but i was just finding anything i could to learn and uh i started digging into other amps early on just to see if there's anything i could suss out from it and bit by bit you know how it is you start to learn you start to make some tweaks here and there to your own amp and before you know it, it's like wow okay that sounds like 50 percent better than it did yesterday 
you just start learning really at the beginning, I think, not really so much from the theory side, but you learn more from just kind of getting your hands dirty. You just you just dive in and start swapping parts and you keep a journal like I did. I remember I had this big book and every single time I would try something new in this amp, I would go and write down exactly what that, that part changed or what this did or what that did and how it felt to play and how it sounded. So uh, yeah, by, by the time I was probably 16, 17, I was just obsessed with the whole tone chasing thing, modded amps and, and the work. So I had a few other amps that, that had already been modded, a few other production amps. And um, I think if we fast forward to the point where I ended up in contact with Mike Fortin, it was through one of the forums online. I think it might have been Rig Talk. Mm -hmm. And I think we had a, a couple of mutual friends on there and somehow we were on the topic of talking about modded amps and things. And we, we sort of hit it off straight away as, as friends. And uh, we were messaging back and forth about different mods or ideas or things we might have seen and tried. And I had this tone that was in my head that I was chasing and I didn't really know how to get there. Um, I, I was trying a few things, but I was maybe only halfway there. And Mike came sort of to the rescue. He, he, he kind of sent me a message and said, hey, you know, I've, I've seen, you know, a bunch of other amps that are modified to sound kind of like the way you, you want them to sound. So maybe try like a bunch of these changes and see what you think. So I, I tried that and immediately it was like, whoa, okay, this is, this is starting to get close already. And I mean, it, it started out as like just a, a plain Jose type circuit, you know, the, the, the most bog standard obvious thing that you, you, you probably see if you type in Jose Arredondo. But we started tweaking that thing further and further. Um, it probably went on for maybe a year. And I, I just had this, that, that old 800 as a, as a prototype and it must have had, well, must have had about a thousand different components in that thing over the course of a year. <laughs> I just would wake up in the morning, pound like a huge cup of coffee, and I'd just be sitting there soldering all day long, solder, try, solder, try something new. And, you know, it was it was so much fun. Uh, at the time, I wasn't working. I was, I was still a bit younger. Um, I was just at home most of the day, just tweaking, trying things out. And the uh, the obsession by that point was... was this was like head first down the rabbit hole. I was just hooked on this stuff. Um, so yeah, bit by bit, I guess we, we got to a point where I think maybe after maybe 10 or 15 revisions of this thing, I posted up a clip and I remember loads of people straight away got in, got in touch with, him, with me and said, Hey, can I, can I get my amp modded the same way? And I mean, I wasn't doing this for a job. I was literally just doing this for, for a hobby thing originally. Um, I was confident enough to do it as a job, but I just, uh, I hadn't even thought about it. And the demand came in so quickly that basically as soon as I said, yes, I had, I had like six months of work ahead of me almost. Hmm. I just had work coming in without even really <laughs> knowing how to deal with it. So, um, yeah, I mean, he, he said to me at the time, well, look, if we're going to do this, like, we, we weren't actually in business together. We were just friends. 
um and we kind of agreed that because we've both been working on it together i would take care of the the amps that would be from the uk or the european customers and he would do the same mod for american guys and canadians um so yeah i he kind of vouched for me there was there was a whole bunch of people at the time who were maybe contacting him and he would just send them straight my way um which really just opened the door you know you know when they say like it's 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 not necessarily what you know but it's who you know it's that moment when it starts to make you realize that yeah you do have to be really ready for it but right place at the right time kind of thing and it really just kicked off so from that point on i mean it just i i never actually i never advertised for work and it just it started and it just kept coming in so yeah and uh for that like i say like i mean really I, i would say like mike mike helped put me on the map for for that i'm forever grateful so that's that's kind of how I got into it, um, and then bit by bit, as as Dave will, will know, you you start with a circuit. Bit by bit, when someone gets one and they ask for something slightly different, you start to find things that you can improve on. You start to find little tweaks that maybe more players just seem to like that that new version or that new revision. And uh, bit by bit, you find the the weaknesses of the design the more it actually gets used in the real world. I mean, it's it's very easy to think that when you've got it here in a controlled environment, that, oh, that's perfect. But when it actually gets out in the real world and people are cranking their amps up high, there's a, there's a whole different situation when you're on a stage with an amp versus when you're in a, a room tweaking one. So you start to learn, okay, that change is gonna, is gonna work better for guys who are playing live, so they start doing that with it. Um, I think gradually we started to tweak the gain lower mm-hmm. because the very first, oh my God, the very first version of that, holy shit, that had so much gain. Um, yeah, it was really, really full on. But but yeah, bit by bit, we just started to refine the circuits and um, made changes. People were liking it more and more. And uh, I think when the, the, uh, the whole Killer Cali thing came in, was when we kind of got sick and tired of the the diode clipping. Um, there's so many drawbacks when you're when you're bringing that stuff in and relying on it as the main part of the sound. Um, mm-hmm. I think maybe it works great in certain circuits when it's always on and maybe not switchable. Um, for example, like some of the Jose's that have that where it's already in place and maybe the circuit was tweaked a little bit to suit that. I think that works great. But we came to the conclusion, you know, the, the noise floor is is incredibly high when you've always got diodes turned on. And um, we we started experimenting with other ideas and Mike had played around with this, this extra gain stage instead. And we, I, I played around with a couple of variations uh, with that. And he, he came up with one as well. And, um, his his version i remember we both started doing it at some point maybe in 2011 um with that extra gain stage thing in there and you you can switch it in and out and you can control it um but that that for me was a big improvement i think over the first design because it just it meant that the amp could be actually a little bit more controllable 
two. Previously, you'd got like kind of, you know, no clipping for like the, the, the vintage sound, and then you've got a lot of clipping or a, just a little bit. And it's it's easier to dial in a circuit when you have a control and you can sweep it gradually and hear what it's doing roughly, rather than just being like, okay, on 10 or on zero or on halfway. So it just, it, it sounded better to both our ears. And I think it felt better to play as well for my taste. So that's really how that circuit came along and it just kind of stuck to be honest. Um, that was one of the changes in that circuit. Um, like I mentioned before, we slightly reduced some of the gain stages a little bit. Wasn't so over the top and so overloaded. Um, but yeah, generally bit by bit, I think with those those mods like the Killer Cali and stuff like that, I've been refining those over the years, just making subtle tweaks and changes and finding optimal ways to ground things, ways to keep noise floor nice and low compared to how it might have been otherwise and various things, shielding, you know, you just find little improvements that you can add to a circuit. So that's really how, that's kind of how it evolved. It, it's, it's kind of funny. I could say the same thing about the development from the time I was a kid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's almost a verbatim path at a different time. Right? Oh, I uh, thought it would be. Yeah, you know, and it's it's the it, it's the same, just a different just a different yeah. time. Um, it's, yeah, it's it's weird. It's it's like um, the thing I the, one of the things that I see a lot now though is um, some of the guys that are spending so much time on the theory side of things that I see so many guys who maybe could be putting stuff out and doing stuff, but they're just not getting their hands dirty and just getting on with it. I think this is a big part of it. You've, you've got to just be in amps the whole time, soldering, breathing the fumes, swapping parts, even yeah. trying things that you're almost convinced are going to sound like crap. Yeah, you, You've got to try the good, the bad, and you've got to hear what you don't like. This is a big thing. I think you really have to learn what you don't like, not just what you do like. Um, it helps so much when you're, when you're fine tuning circuits to, to kind of have at least an idea already, okay, nine out of 10 times I know that doesn't work for me in my designs or vice versa. But. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, ultimately it all stemmed from a kind of a, a love for Marshalls originally, uh, mm -hmm. a lot of stuff. And uh, I, I mean, I'm a big fan of old vintage, you know, plexi style turned on 10, you know, Van Halen-esque kind of stuff and uh it all stemmed from that you know it, it kind of all stems from all those guys that i grew up with so i i was growing up during that era you know and um and uh, all those you know great guitar tones that we all loved from uh from all those great guitar players and it's like how do i get that sound you know and it's like how do they how do they do it it, it took a lot of years to figure that out but in reality a lot of it was very simple it was a a plexi amp on 10, <laughs> yeah. you know, but how do you do that at a volume you can control? You know, how do you, can you get that kind of tone at, at a lower volume, you know? And, uh, and, and that's, that's the thing. Yeah. Um, that's, that's really, it. it's just usability, isn't it? It's like yeah. trying to achieve that without having to destroy entire neighborhoods with volume. Right. Because let's face it, you know, you turn a, you turn a plexi up, a plexi on 10. There's a lot of guys who have never actually tried it. They've just heard about him. If you yeah. turn one on 10, it's, 
you yeah, can, yeah, you can feel your trousers flapping. It's, I know, and it's great. Oh, <laughs> it's he, so addictive, isn't it? Especially if it's in a big room, so you're not dying. You know, uh, you know, in a big room, it 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 it's loud, but it it it's a little more forgiving. You know, um, yeah, no, it's that's great. <laughs> I love Pete Thorne's video. Yeah. Oh, that one he did with the the crappy SLP plexi that he just he was in at uh, whatever that was that um, yeah, GitCon or GitCon and uh, yeah he was like come in and play this yeah plexi this it's like well people don't don't even know what that's that's the the vast majority of people don't know what that sound is. And I don't know if that is the best example of uh, that sound either, the one he used, but that's what was available at the time when he just right. did the GitCon. Um, but a lot of people don't know; they've never played that. They never had the opportunity to play that. I've, you know, I I stated a, a million times when I went to work for Andy Brower Studio Rentals in Los Angeles when I was eighteen. There was every amp literally under the sun at this place. All the mods, you know, all the, you know, the Soldanos, the, 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 you know, and every Tweed amp, every Blackface amp, every High Watt, every, every Super Champ, everything you can imagine, I got to hear. Yeah. So there, I had a big library, you know, of, of this stuff. But, you know, I was already into it, though. I already had some vintage amps and things and stuff. But, um, and in, in that arsenal of, at Andy Brower's where there were a lot of modded amps also. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there was a Lee Jackson mob, original Jose mod, uh, a Soldano mod. Hmm. Um, hmm. There might've been a couple others that I, I, I just escaped me, but they, they had all the main characters. Rand Randall Smith probably. No, 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 no just, no, it was mainly a Soldano modded Marshall, a Jose modded Marshall, a Lee Jackson modded Marshall. Those were the main candidates. So they didn't have like any Fender mod modded Fender stuff. No. Okay. No, and all the Fender stuff is blackface. I mean, every era blackface. You know, like in the in the display room, you'd have a a Princeton, and then a Deluxe, and then a Vibralux. And, and then, uh, 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 you know, a, um, well, a twin eventually. <laughs> and uh, let's see, a pro reverb. I mean, like literally every single one. And then the tweeds, the same thing. Tweed champ, tweed deluxe, you know, yeah. boom, boom, boom. And, you know, and then you had a, a random brown face basement head, black face basement head. Uh, you had high watts, um, voxes vintage Vox, uh, all sorts of cabinets and varying speakers, hmm. uh, you know, vintage guitars, everything. So <laughs> if you didn't know what things sounded like, you got a real education on what things were sounding like, you know, hmm. and, uh, and that's, I mean, that's priceless. I mean, yeah. and then I've been doing this, you know, since 1988, since I started I'm 52 now. I was 18 then. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't ask me to do the math. You know, yeah. Long That's the year time. I was born. 
<laughs> yeah okay <laughs> but yeah you know so and you know and the funny thing is doing that job too when i was really young too i was delivering things in a delivery truck we were going into studios constantly i was seeing records made i remember john sykes recording at this certain studio i remember you know i remember nirvana dragging a guitar down the hallway to try out some amps with butch vig so so <laughs> There's, there's there's a lot of a lot of background you know a lot of background and and then rig building over the years you know a lot of rigs built over the years so a lot of feedback and seeing what people really used and what was really used in studios and what you know so real world experience real world experience and then and then i i've somehow become the the uh magically become the the jose historian <laughs> somehow because i probably now I, I i've lost count how many i've worked on but yeah i mean 50 holy shit or something i've i've seen every iteration known to man i mean yeah. i i've even seen some that no one's seen that guy um, must have been really busy back then yeah i mean i remember when i was 18 i had an amp done by him so Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I remember, I remember that. Yeah. And, and you know, the, funny, the funny thing is out there in the world, you know, everyone talks about the diodes and everything. Well, I would say the vast majority of all the Jose's I've ever worked on did not have the diode circuit or the pre EQ master volume. Interesting. Almost most of them didn't. Yeah. Um, you know, out of say, say it's 50 amps. Out of that, maybe 10 had it, and 40 didn't. Hmm. So <laughs> most of the time it was there, his what he called his three-way mod, which is just the simple, uh, it's really a gain stage in front of a jumpered or non-jumpered Marshall with a master volume. Yeah. I mean, I just put it simply, and Dan knows exactly what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's some key things about those two, and they sometimes mess with voltages a little bit in those and stuff to really brown out the first stage or not. And yeah. you know, I mean, I worked on James Hetfield's uh, Jose recently. That was nice. interesting. Um, Didn't you get that one like around the time of the Black Album? Yes. Was that the time? Well, it was after. Uh, it was he got it at the same time. I. Th think or right at the roughly the same time when bob rock got his own and and even bob says his isn't super gainy either it's just a loud punchy cool you know the same the same thing that mick mars amp that that pete just did a video about you probably saw that yeah uh that's just no no clipping diodes no not at all no i mean uh, there's a fair bit of gain in that circuit even without the diodes active yeah you know, especially when it's turned up. Yes, there is a a thing about those amps um, because it's just a straight up one meg master volume right off the treble wiper. Yeah, it comes on fast and gets yeah. loud quick. You know, yeah. because it's all the voltage going into that master. It's just like comes on, boom, and yeah. boy, is it punchy. Yeah, yeah. Especially, yeah. It's it's interesting as well that those those circuits there are. Uh, they're funny about placement of parts. Definitely. That's been my experience, you know, putting things in the right place. That's a big overlooked thing. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, it definitely makes a huge difference. You know, 
you find like with the with that double master the thing bleeds like a motherfucker when it's turned like it, zero yeah it's not yeah yeah you can get around it but for sure you, you can there's ways to get around it that yeah. don't do, like all the switching is the issue yeah um if you can do the switching with relays and things it, it, mm. and separate them and it's yeah. better but yeah totally. it's kind of a pain <laughs> yeah as soon as you as soon as you start playing around with that that pre-tone stack master the whole the whole impedance of the whole tone stack and everything after it just completely changes it's just like a massive antenna for everything nearby so everything just it, it will just find its way back in mm -hmm. you know I've, I've seen a lot of variations like from even from other builders that have that have uh, been kind of like clones of jose type things yeah and there's there's wires in certain places that you can if you just literally with a with a pair of plugs just pick that wire up and just move it like a centimeter away yeah. the bleed stops yeah or you or you notice that the suddenly there's it you move one wire and you hear all those like nasty harmonics just mm. start to go mm -hmm. and it's it's amazing when you start to fiddle around with this stuff the old chopstick trick yeah yeah you you, you <laughs> Honestly, yeah, to do any of that stuff, you really need to know what you're doing and where you're placing it, or yeah, there's issues. Yeah, that's, that's I don't, good. I don't particularly like the pre tone stack master. It's not no. my favorite. Yeah, it's okay. It's I'm, I'm not that keen on the diodes at all. So right, um, yeah. sort of like what you you were saying earlier. You know. Yeah, I mean, I I like the pre tone stack, but my my kind of finding is that you know that whole double pot is that i think maybe i like it where you just pick one or the other rather than putting them both on a pot yeah you know what i mean like so because then you're then you can run sensitive parts away from like noisy parts of the circuit mm -hmm. so i think maybe i i kind of like it more the end result if you just pick which one you want to go with and there's a lot of guys who just love that that pre-tone stack thing there's a lot of guys who just don't like it and they're just like you know what i just like the way uh a master volume responds say in like an 800 yeah so let's go with that because you've got that weird taper as well yeah you know where, where with that pre-tone stack one like it's you can turn that thing high before it really suddenly then all of a sudden it's like nuclear you know launch boom yeah yeah, exactly. Cameron used to get around that by Cameron would use um, uh, reverse audio taper uh, yeah. uh, master pot, and then it would come on early mm -hmm. and uh, it kind of do the reverse of that, which works. But again, there's still kind of a limited play in what you. Yeah. So. Yeah, there is. It's, it changes things. Um, I mean, it works. I've done it before with the with the reverse pot, um, but it's I don't know. You you get to that point where. Is there maybe a better way of doing things? Yeah, you know, which, like, which hence your other gain stage came in. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You, you just that's the one with the violence control, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the yeah. whole point. So you start to think, well, what am I actually trying to achieve by slapping in an additional pot? Because if you, I suppose, if you think about it, like that, you know, that pre-tone stack master that Jose did, it's kind of essentially it's sort of like a gain control. If you think really in a way, it sort of just feels like it because it, it really does jump the game much hotter when you get high mm -hmm. uh, on the on the control. So if you look at it from a different point of view and think, okay, how can I achieve that kind of extra gain? Maybe I can control the EQ response of that extra gain that I want to add. 
you know, I don't want to perhaps add too much in the way of like the hashy treble frequencies and the other stuff. And uh, there, there's just other ways you can go about doing it. So I, I love that Jose stuff for what it is. And I think it's just killer and so much fun. But I think that you can, if, if there's, there's probably a limit with that circuit where you can push it and push it with, with changes to the design before you start to realize, okay, we're at a point of diminishing returns. It's just, yeah. it starts to sound bad if you go beyond that point. Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, let me uh, jump over to the super chats because we've got a bunch of them. By the way, uh, make sure everybody click subscribe and click the bell, please. So uh, you can get notifications when we go live. And um, and also check out Sweetwater again. Um, Pen Birth one. I'm not sure if uh, you had a question. I didn't see the question. So if there was one, let me know. Um, oh, here it is. I see it. Uh, Dan, tell us about how the Josh M relationship came about. The history would be interesting. Hi from Neal in Cornwall, by the way. Oh, cool. Hi, Neal. And, and Vivi. Um, yeah, so um, with uh, he's talking about Josh Middleton from uh, the band Silosis. Uh, they're an absolutely killer band. Um, and Josh is just, he's one of the, the most talented musicians I've, I've ever met. He's just crazy good. You know, you know, you meet some of those guys where you see them playing even through the most suboptimal gear. They could pick up a guitar that's got strings that's like 10 foot off the fretboard and they're just blazing up and down the neck. Josh is one of those guys. Um, and yeah, he, he contacted me probably in oh, maybe 2010, 2011, I would guess. Um, he'd got a, he'd got an amp that he wanted to have modded. I didn't really know much about his band at the time. Um, but I, I said to him, yeah, okay, let's, let's, you know, let's do it. I'll, I'll mod your amp. And I think I, I'm pretty sure I turned that amp around in a matter of days and he took it straight out onto one of the big UK festivals. They were opening on one of the, one of the, the big stages. And, uh, that was, that was a, a really fun experience, you know, working on some gear for Josh because the, uh, the first amp was kind of, um, like a stripped down Cali mod. So, it's not like a not like a real Jose. It's like it's a little bit different. Um, it, it's uh, it's still got some some dial clipping stuff going on and everything, but it's it's a little different. And um, so I, I I did that for him, and he used it, and I think he ended up then using it on their their album. I think it's called Monolith, so you can you can check that out. The, I think every single track on the album was with that amp I did for him. And he, he loved it. And then he got hold of a, a JMP uh, for input, I think it was, and brought it over to me. And that was at the point, I think, where me and Mike had been playing around with the Killer Cali design with the uh, with without the, the dive clipping, with all, all tube distortion and stuff like that. And I, I did that amp for him. And I, I actually think, I mean, I could be wrong. I actually haven't asked him, but I, I think that was the one he kind of gravitated to more, the second amp I did. And personally, I I kind of leaned more in that direction because obviously that's where my tastes were at the time. I was gravitating towards that newer circuit, and um, but yeah, he's he's a, a an amazing musician, and uh, I I don't know I don't know if he still has both of the amps. I 
Oh, no, no. I know for sure he doesn't have one of them, but I don't know if he still has the other. Um, but, yeah, killer player. He could play through He could play through one of those little gorilla amps and just sound like a million bucks. So, yeah. I hate that. Yeah. It's really <laughs> frustrating because, you know, he, he was here at my place one time and he was... He was uh, in my living room while I was like soldering away parts in, in his new amp. Um, and he was playing through this this Les Paul that I'd like attempted to do a refret on and I just butchered this thing. It was so bad I couldn't even play it. And he just picked it up and he's just like, whoa, this is really comfortable. And I'm just <laughs> watching him just blaze up and down the neck doing sweet picking arpeggios, legato, and just, I was just sitting there like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. That's not fair. yeah i i just i just recently discovered you ever got you guys ever see this kid max ostro oh yeah he's like he's, he's like paul gilbert mixed with like Ingve he's, he's like guthrie govan almost he's yeah seriously at that level it's freakish it is insane how crazy good that kid is yeah yeah, 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 he's wow. he's uh he's chops and his his ideas musically are so far ahead of his years. I think he's like, I got a feeling he's not he's not even eighteen. No, I I think he's sixteen, and, maybe yeah, seventeen, maybe he just turned seventeen. It's it's, 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 it's mad. I I was listening to him on YouTube and it's like you're hearing this blend of like Guthrie Govan, Greg Howe, Tom Quayle, all these like amazing, really accomplished shredders. Well, they're not like shredders as such, but you know what I mean. They they can shred and. uh yeah, he's just he's got this blend of, of playing where he's just doing all that stuff. It doesn't even look like he's trying. No, exactly. That's the it's thing. So frustrating. It doesn't even look like he's trying. He just has this look on his face like oh, I'm really bored. Yeah. <laughs> um Ben J2827, thanks for the super chat. And uh, I feel the same way. Uh Dave, uh, his wife doesn't like you because he keeps buying your stuff. I've heard um, that before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Loving the show from the UK. Keep up the great content, guys. Thanks so much. Really Although I've it. had also on the opposite end of things, I've had people's wives buy them amps from me before as a secret. In fact, yeah, one time it was the weirdest thing. I was at a show. I, I was in my hometown, Detroit, and I was at a show. And this lady comes up to me. And she's like, I, I don't want my husband to see, but we know who you are. And, you know, he'd be embarrassed that I was talking to you, but I want to buy him an amp of yours. And I'm like, okay, something special or something cool. And I go, you know, I know of an amp here in Detroit at my friend's store um, that you could buy. And it is it's signed and it's a custom color and it's a half stack and it, it's cool. It's like red. It was really cool. And uh, she's like, okay, yeah. Can you give me his number? Okay. I don't want him to see now. I got to go, but here's my number. Text me. There's <laughs> <laughs> this whole, like it was, it felt like it was a drug deal or something <laughs> on the side. Um, uh, yeah. So that's a really cool then, wife. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I go, wow, he's lucky. Yeah. Lucky That's like the kind of thing you my just, girlfriend you, would probably do, you know. You, you, you just bought him like for four thousand dollar half stack or something, or five thousand dollar half stack or whatever it was. Yeah, you gotta love that. That's a that's a keeper <laughs> right there. Yeah, right. 
James Abel, thanks for the super chat. Guys of all, and I think we may have discussed this, but guys of all the various Jose mods that crop up, which are some of your favorites? Thanks, Dan, for being a top dude and always helping me out. <laughs> hey, James. Yep. James is my uh, good friend. He, live, he lives like just down the road to me. Really, really cool guy. And he, he loves yeah. his Freeman stuff too. Yeah. Cool. Uh, you know, there's, there's not that many different Jose mods. Um, I mean, there's the basic one, uh, which is a a half against, you know, half a tube in front of a four input. Well, I'm just putting it really simply in front of a four input amp that you have the ability to jumper with a master. And then there's there's another one that's the same thing, but they take the first tube and double it up, uh, so it puts out more output voltage. Is um, that the one with the two game pots or the single game pot? No, no single game pot still, but single they just pot. parallel. They just parallel the input grid on the tube. Uh, they have separate plate resistors for each side of the tube and separate cathodes, but then they then they tie the two output caps of each half together. So it doubles up the output voltage, essentially. So it's hitting the front of the amp harder. A f- funny thing is, I don't think that sounds as good as the half a tube, though. It's it's a little... I don't. I, it's hard to explain, but when you listen to it and you disconnect one half of it and put it back, and you're like, well, yeah, it's more gain, but I don't think it sounds as good. <laughs> yeah, the, the parallel gain stage thing, the, which is the other amp that, that did that yeah. one. Um, Matchless the, the, amps do that. Match, uh, yeah, yeah. Matchless does it though yeah. with the with the, the cathode and the plate yeah. shared, doesn't it? It doesn't do yeah. the separate ones. No, yeah, yeah. This is separate. Yeah. And and you know, I've yeah. seen that. I've seen that. I mean, that that was one way he was coaxing a tad more gain out of it. Mm. Um then then there's the Either the the there was uh, there's either the half a tube or the doubled up parallel tube in front of the same thing, but with the pre post master with clipping diodes. The front end, whether it's paralleled or not, is just dependent on what it was, how much gain they wanted, and at the time, I again, I still don't like the parallel part. Um, so then you have them both the master volumes, uh. Clipping diodes are in all the time uh, in either mode. So um, they just do less than a regular master volume mode. Uh, so there's that. And then he morphed it again where it's the two gain pots. Mm-hmm. So the two gain pots, uh, just think, just think treble channel and bass channel with their own respective boost stages. And then they if you if they're pulled both, they're done at the big at the input. Yeah, or you know, it's at the input. So really I think that was just done as like, hey, you want a fatter boosted sound, use that input. If you want a if you want a, a treblier boosted sound, use that input. If you want to blend them, you could use both. It it's not that much different than hitting it the parallel other one mm. um yeah they're similar and I that mean, and that and that's with the and that's again with the push pull master yeah. um thing um 
other than that, that's most most of the ones that he'd done. Uh, and there's a couple discrepancies, I, I believe, uh, on that schematic that's floating around. Um, yeah. Never, ever, ever. So, so the two gain stages in in a Jose are always 0022 caps. They're never the bigger cap on the first stage, like is posted in that schematic on the on the on the bright channel that is so i've never seen one that isn't gain stage 0022 gain stage 0022 never yeah. ever hmm. you think and maybe then, at the time as well with with jose you think there may have been component choices that he was using just because you didn't have the access to that stuff like we do now you know you probably got it from like military surplus stores and he got he got it from yeah there were stores out here apex uh apex electronics uh there there were surplus stores that had yeah. parts and stuff and and you know they had all the good pots back then too where the push pull pots the original ones that are heavy duty and you can't get that crap anymore no. i've still made you one in 10 years on ebay yeah yeah hmm. I, I i don't even know i can't even find a picture of them but you know, they, I know, I know they, which one it is. It, like, I mean, I'm sure you know which one it is. But yeah, it's you know, it's uh, they're not they're not easy to find. It's like this. Yeah. 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 yeah and there's the other. Wow. Side. This is a newer one. That's the weird thing. So this <laughs> I pulled out of a brand new Lee Jackson mod, and it looks like it's a new pot. Yeah, made by CTS. It's made by CTS. Yes. He must have had this made uh, because this is this is a new pot. Yeah, you know something. And I I'm kind of curious about I'm kind of curious. I might email him and ask him. Yeah. Because it's really heavy duty. With, uh, came with his um, kit that he used to sell. You know, you know, he had a yeah. DVD and a parts kit yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. that that part came in the kit. Did it? Yeah, that part came in the kit. Mm. Um, and then I think then sooner or later there might have then been the, the black plastic backed CTS pot. Yeah. The, 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 just the single, the, the one that's got just the two contacts on the back. You yeah. Because so, that one's got yeah. four, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's got four. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then um, there's the, the other one, obviously the one with the six, you know, the six lugs on the back. Mm -hmm. the, the big one. But yeah, those, those are like. <laughs> you can't you get this stuff anymore unfortunately anyway. you know unfortunately yeah. now you know you're stuck with uh uh you know a little alpha switching pod yeah i, I sometimes i usually find those ones from bournes yeah uh, well a born the born the bournes are better but recently there's been uh the dual one meg 3h shaft uh pot from alpha that um that uh tad sells does it have the uh, double pull, okay. double throw switch on it? Yeah, yeah. And it's not that expensive, and it's it's two it's two pots, so you can use it for that master yeah. volume. Um, but I also use it for any switching. I don't care. I'll just use it. I just yeah. won't use half the pot because yeah. they're tough. There's a big shaft. It you know screws in good and probably better yeah. choice. And it's a solid shaft too, so I don't have to do push on like the borns. Yeah, well, I get the the Bournes ones, though. The ones I get have got the solid shaft, but oh, okay. um, 
but they i think they go up to in the double pot i think they go up to 500k yeah these are one meg you can get them from tad i mean you can i mean you can use the 500k and it works okay um for that kind of thing um i've used it i've used both mm -hmm. um but it's i mean yeah if, you, if you're trying to make things like exact like smack bang yeah. on the original then you want the you want the yeah. uh the one meg hey let me jump over uh super chicks we're Thanks getting the super geeky track. guys sorry yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. totally oh, we knew we were gonna get geeky. out with this stuff so yeah uh hey guys dan love your playing and amp sounds what's the difference between in 1981 2203 jmp and a mid or late 80s 2203 my 81 2203 sounds open i had an 81 2203 I've got an 80, I've got a few of them. Um, I think I had a 82, I think I've got a few 82s or 83s, I think. Um, it was a vertical input. Yeah, yeah so what you're, what you're referring to is the vertical input versus the side-by-side -side input. So what they did, I mean, I mean, technically it's basically the same preamp circuit, but they they cut down on some filtering stages they made all the pots PC mount. Uh, there's some more crosstalk on the on the master volume and EQ circuit on the on the PC mount one. Um, so hence it sounds a little different. Does it sound if you just took one and put them next to each other and they had the same tubes in it? Does it sound that much different? Mm, not maybe that much different. Not um, night and day different. Not though. night and day. In fact, I've heard some of the side by side input ones that sound quite good, just even as a stock amp. Um, although they, they're a little, um, they're a little more problematic to mod. Uh, mm. There's some little things you got to deal with, crosstalk, some different things that that you have to deal with in them. But but they can come out great still. Yeah, yeah, that's that's been my findings. It, it, the problem tends to uh, tends to creep up when you start to push more signal through one. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to start doing things like maybe if you buy one and you think, oh, I'll just beef up the first gain stage a little bit hotter, um, that's where you're then going to experience that crosstalk happening more with one of those models because it will happen. Um, there, there's ways and means of, of getting around that. Um, I'm sure you know ways of it, Dave. And yep. it's the same with me. I've done things to those where I've gotten to work. Uh, but I would say if I was going to do uh, a, a full-blown mod to one of those, I would rather just pull the board and start fresh with a, with a turret board. Mm. This this is what I did just uh, in the last, I think it was maybe a month ago. I did a, a, a JCM 800 from 1987 or 88 for the producer, Andy Sneap. Mm -hmm. um he's you know he's in judas priest now and he he was wanting something modded marshall and that kind of thing you know british amp british band uh yeah, mm -hmm. so with that amp we uh he sent it in and he had a few of them but that one had already been modified quite heavily by another guy um so i just i looked at it and just thought yeah let's just dump everything so it ended up being a, like a true rebuild got the whole chassis every single part of the thing barring the, the transformers the the power tube sockets and and every you know everything else was gone i just tore the whole thing out yeah. clean and rebuilt it then it's fine then you know then if you were to compare that to maybe one that that you might mod 
if it's an early 80s uh, vertical input one, then you you know once you eliminate that whole board issue, there's not there's not an issue. The transformers they sound really similar. I don't actually know if they are the exact same transformer. I think they're exactly the same. Are they? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I mean, technically, if you talk to Dagnall, uh, uh, or Drake, wait, Drake. Um, uh, yeah, Drake at that point. Or is it Drake? And is it back to Dagnall now? And now it's Dagnall, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's Dagnall now. I mean, if you talk to either one of those, we've never changed anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, they do yeah. tend to leave some stuff out. Like, they changed, like, the bobbin. They changed the, yeah. the insulation. They changed... It's yeah, the same okay. basic wine, but, you know... That's it. Different right. grade um, of steel, different grade of other parts. I, yeah. I, I, find, I find that newer, like, newer reissue... Um, well, first off, remember this. So the transformers changed after, like, from what I understand, they went to plastic bobbins after 1973. So, like, mid 70s, a plastic bobbin transformer. Yeah. The the transformers started not to sound as good then, although they were still quite good. Uh, by the time, you know, um, when they got into the JMP 2203 era stuff, uh, it was good. It was good. It was fine. And a 2203, that era, is exactly the same as a JCM 800 first era. It's just a different look. Um, uh, the f- funny thing, the Transformers got considerably cheaper sounding when the JCM 800s came out. Now, here's the funny thing. So everyone reveres the JCM 800 now. In my era, when those amps first came out, those were shit. They were dogs. People didn't like them. So because the Transformers did sound cheaper, like there's a difference in modding a 2203, uh, which is the same circuit, like I said, and modding a JCM 800 2203. You hear a difference in the Transformers. The the older ones are a little richer, uh, a little nicer sounding to me. Um. And, you know, it just became this revered amp, but it wasn't that revered at the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> was like, yeah, I think it was like, it was, it was like the, the most common backline, wasn't it? But it wasn't necessarily yeah. what anyone was plugged into. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, or they were plugged into it and then they're using a, you know, a, a boss OD1 or a boss super overdrive cranked into it. That's it. Or well, like a PQ3 or something. Yeah. Know? Or something, you know. 50 decibels again in the front. <laughs> which, which sounds good. Cause if you just listen to an 800, I mean, one, you got to understand that an 800, you need to have the gain back a little bit because you need that bright cap to tighten it up. The yeah, bright cap is on the gain. Seven. You know, you needed six, seven, somewhere in there, you know, eight max, no more. Uh, mm-hmm. And then it tightens it up a lot. Uh, and a lot of people don't really understand that. And also, they don't understand that when they turn it down low, it sounds awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's again the bright cap that's on it. Um, and you know the amp in general generally speaking is kind of a loose loose low end not a lot of mid-range i find myself turning the low end down and the mid-range up and the volume up and you know just to even get some sort of a passable tone out of it and uh and i still find it kind of be like eh. 
<laughs> yeah, but the, you know? the thing with 800 star, I think, is that when you're plugged straight into one, I think that, like you were just saying, you find yourself dialing it that way. Yeah. The minute you put uh, a boost in front, you know how everyone everyone nowadays complains that, you know, you, you're you're missing a lot of, like, low end when you hit something, you hit a tube screamer in front of an amp. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, like, back in back in the day, when those amps were actually quite loose, like those 800s yeah. when you pin the, the bass on 10 mm -hmm. and you got the mids up, um when you've when you've got the game cranked up high on one of those so it's actually kind of undefined i think that's where it then sounds best with the boost hitting it mm -hmm. um, especially if you use something like a parametric or if you use a tube screamer or a, even a, a super overdrive just the good old yeah. classic sd1 yeah. um, you up. kind of want you kind of want the amp to be a bit squishy and yeah. then when you hit it with that pedal then it just kind of like fixes everything that you're you're sure. not thinking about it. You're modding the amp with the pedal. That's it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so speak, basically, yeah. Which is basically the basically concept of amp mods. Pretty much. Uh, it's like to That's get it. it out of the amp without using the pedal. You yeah. know? Right. True. Yeah. Uh, let me jump over to... Yeah, I can't pronounce that, but um, thank you for the super chat, though. Uh, I have a Friedman Custom 50 with the full black front panel like Razor. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Awesome. And thanks for the super chat. Appreciate it. Uh, Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Uh, hey, guys. Dave, could you please elaborate on how you bought your SLO serial number 013, if I'm not mistaken? I bought a 91, and it sounds insane. Biased at 27. Um, does that, uh, do you have an SLO? Yes, I have an SLO. So I have, um, so a person I know was, uh, in the, uh, music instrument cartage for a million years. Um, and he recently retired and sold his building he owned and everything for some exorbitant amount of money here. Um, and he had a bunch of gear to sell. So, um, I helped him sell some of the gear and, uh, in it was uh, he owned Michael Landau's uh, SLO 100. So um, originally I was going to sell it, uh, but I, I kept staring at it. It's in red. I kept staring at it, and it, you know it's a very early one, so it only has the single switch on the front. Uh, it was done in eight, 1988, uh, and it was number 13. Um, so... My birthday is the 13th, and uh, I I would just like, you know, I, I should probably own this myself. <laughs> I should probably own this myself. Um, That's awesome. So, when did you get uh, that? That recently? Uh, yeah, recently. Yeah. So uh, I paid some exorbitant price for it, and uh, I, I I bought it. But it's it's literally like a, collect, a collector's piece. Of course. You know, and it, it sounds really good, I got to say. I mean, as far as Soldamas go, it sounds it's, it's, it's like money. Did you, you know? stock? Stock. Nice. Stock, it's, it hasn't been changed. It's the original amp. It's a, it was his amp for sure. I, I confirmed that with Michael Soldano. And, hmm. um, uh, and it's in red. It looks really cool. If you remember on when Let's Soldano see if we can actually... Hey, 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 in the corner there. There, there. there it is. Keep it right yep. there. 
Oh, oh, you moved it. <laughs> oh, wait, you want me to? Uh, oh, there you go. Yeah, let's get big. There we go. Oh, nice. Are all those your amps, Dave? Yes. All those. That's a nice view we haven't gotten before. Nope. <laughs> cool. And I have more. <laughs> Never. Have That's cool. Now, if you remember, Mike, when Mike was on the show, he showed us the original list of yeah. people who ordered the amps, and I, I remember. I mean, thirteen was on there. Yep. So, and I, yeah. so I have to go back and look. It's super sure. cool. It's you know, it's 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 the original. You know, the original Transformers. The uh, uh, originally, he used a ton of uh, carbon comp resistors in the amps, the original old ones. Um, so they're not all the metal films like he later used, and uh, uh, Mallory filter caps, and just the whole original deal. And it sounds really good. That's awesome. Yeah, oh. that stuff will make uh, a difference. Yeah, yeah. Joe L, thanks for the super chat. Hey Dave, did you ever work or know anything about the mods on Joe Holmes, Jose Marshalls, and what mods were done to them exactly? Maybe Dan knows too. Uh, I I have worked when Joe was playing with Ozzy. I did a bunch of retubes on those amps, and unfortunately, at the time, I did not write everything down on what was in it. Um, I do know that it is the two gain pot circuit so uh it has the two push push pull gain pots one for base channel one for you know the other channel and um and the the part i don't quite remember uh is if it had the uh zeners or not the diodes or not I don't remember if it has a push pull master or not. That's my only thing. And I haven't seen it again, although I might in the future see it. So uh, I will confirm that if I do. I don't know for sure, but I seem to think that I had a photo of one of those amps um, from the face, not a gut shot or anything, but mm -hmm. head on. And you know how you can, you can tell from certain pictures when that pot's pulled. Because if you kind of look at it like side on, it looks yeah. like it's lower. Yeah. Um, and it looked like it was pulled. So I'm guessing it does. But then again, it's, who knows if it's actually got any diodes in there or anything. I don't remember it as being exceptionally gainy, though. And, and you know, the funny thing is a lot, and a lot of those amps that I serviced over the years, the ones that did have the diodes, a lot of them were blown. And the diodes weren't working. Interesting. Uh so uh, affect a ton of them were that way and uh so it wasn't like it was originally you know they've probably been using it that way forever without it um and okay you know one of these days maybe i'll confirm it theoretically it's in there because the dual gain pots probably had it yeah. so but i and i can't recall though if he really uses it pulled or not either so um doesn't he use the uh the, the pcm 41 though as a game booster doesn't he yes he does he that's the other thing i was just going to add he oh, he uses yeah. the pcm as the gain boost yeah so that that kind of almost makes me think that they're not in there yeah maybe not uh it, and it's that it's definitely a cool and that's the other thing that's a little foggy too because 
um, where that loop was placed in the amp too, because it's been done several places, mm. and a lot of t- sometimes it was after the very first gain stage. Uh, although if he has the two um, pots, there'd have to be two loops. I don't remember there being two loops. And also, it wouldn't really make sense to boost the treble side if you're also blending in the bass side. Um, so, I actually, if if I recall, I think it's after, before the cathode follower. Mm. I've I've put that in one uh, yeah. to try it, and it it does that effect perfectly. Yeah. So that that makes me think it's it's that. But I don't. I honestly don't think the the whole PCM forty one thing is like the. The, the secret to that sound I because I, I tried it with a couple of other devices and I found that anything that had boost more or less like an analog signal path if you just hammer the the the, the gain uh control yeah. on it, those yeah. old rack units it kind of did the same thing um, yeah it would it would do the same thing it was like a clean boost essentially that, did, you know, yeah, just, that could take the signal level that's there and yeah. uh you know and just he would boost it a little more yeah because t- it's noisy with that 41 in the loop yeah, yeah, yeah you get a great sound though. I, yeah. I I just can't remember. I remember retubing the amps. I just at the time I didn't, I didn't write it down. This is a long time ago though. So yeah. Uh, super chat from Ted Fur. Uh, Mark, have you always played lefty? I'm a lefty who plays right-handed. I blame it on my fifth grade music teacher back in '81, who made me play righty. Uh, maybe you should thank him. Um, uh i mean being a left i've always played guitar lefty always um and i started out playing drums uh for many years and i was a mixture of lefty and righty so my feet were righty and my hands were lefty so i really would play like this the drums but instead i played open kind of like like Simon Phillips or some other players where I would play open with the ride like this, but I'd still, it's considered lefty. So whenever I would do a roll, I would leave with my left hand and I would get all screwed up. And so anyway, um, but I've always played guitar lefty. And uh, at first it was a real pain in the ass back in the day to get a a lefty guitar. Now it's not so bad, but um, so yeah, always been a lefty, but, and thanks for the super chat, Ted. I appreciate it. Uh, let's see. It's a whole bunch of super chats. I know. Uh, Edinburgh S. Hey, Dan, Simon up in Edinburgh. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Still loving my KK. What differences between the KK plus plus and rock monster? What tone are you targeting with each? So that's Simon. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hey Simon. Yeah. So, um, with those, those amps, I mean, the, the killer Cali is definitely, it's it's aiming for like a Jose-ish character, but then it sort of goes off in a little bit of a different direction. I'd say it goes a little bit more modern. Um, the the Rock Monster mod is more compressed. It's meant to be kind of like um, if you th- if you think of something sort of Jose-ish as being you know gainy but still open. The Rock Monster is meant to be that like wide that big wide sound. It's not meant to really do a million things. It's meant to be like plug in, just like set it to stun and just go. You don't need anything in front really because it's just super gainy. It's it's saturated and, and all that kind of stuff. 
Um, so it really comes down to, to what kind of a player you are. This is the big, big thing that I always ask anyone who contacts me for mods. Like, are you the kind of player who uses the volume control a lot? Do you use a lot of dynamics in the, in the way you play? Um, do you need an amp that is really going to respond, you know, exceptionally well when you touch that volume or tone control on your guitar? If you're one of those guys who just wants to, you know, plug in, not worry about any of that stuff, like one pickup, Van Halen style, you know, and uh, just have everything set to stun, Rock Monster Mod's great for that. Um, so it's it's thicker, it's it's got more low mids, uh, I would say. More bass, more low mids, thicker. Um, yeah, that's probably in, in layman's terms the best way I can put it. Okay, cool. Um, I'm going to jump right over to the super chats because we've got a ton of them um patrick miller i bought and sold a marshall sv20h i found that it sounded way too small for how loud it was the notes lacked girth is this just the nature of being a low wattage amp no i mean there's low wattage amps that are 20 watts that sound huge yeah yes yeah, it's, it's more design that's my opinion what do you think dave yeah um I, you know uh sorry someone pulled up that i'm trying to like figure out who the hell it is <laughs> um <laughs> and he's gonna probably want to come in uh the, i mean it's just a just a baby plexi i mean you might not like how a plexi sounds either so um you know it's not huge bass it's not real big it's uh you know it's pretty focused and tight on the lead channel um i haven't had a ton of experience with that one to be honest like i have one here that i got a mod <laughs> but uh, i think i got one coming in soon actually yeah well they're either they're, they're i mean i did an 800 which is the same basics you know the series and uh power section i'm assuming it's the same amp inside yeah uh, it was quite easy to mod but um and it came out really cool so yeah uh, i'll throw in as well in there is uh the other thing to keep in mind is that if someone if someone plays a 20 and they say you know what i think it sounds small yeah. the other thing i might add to that is that what do you usually play because if you're usually playing hundreds i will i'll be right back put, I, mm -hmm. I will put it out there that even something like a 50 may sound small compared to 100 you know in many cases a really 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 well designed 50 will absolutely hold its own but a hundred is a a whole different animal. So yeah. if you if you've got like uh, if you've gone from a hundred and you plug into a twenty, it's gonna be like it's gonna be a, a huge jump. Um, yeah. That's the big thing I've found. Yeah, it's not like with a fifty and a hundred. No, fifty and a hundred. The, the difference is much smaller. It's definitely there. Um, mm. But I would say once you go down below fifty. There is a way, way bigger jump um, in the in the overall response, mm. but that, that's that's only in my experience. I mean, there's probably ways of making twenties sound even bigger. I just I've just never experimented, so mm. who knows? Maybe it's uh, maybe it's one to play around with on the bench and see mm. what see what can be done. Right, all right. But I think I think those new ones, those uh, those studio vintage and studio classic, the twenty Marshalls. They look like they're nicely made and everything, you know. So that's what I heard. Probably, they're probably good for like uh, like a, a kind of a cheaper mod. 
something like that if you want it just tweaked a little bit more maybe right. so that you don't even have to boost it or anything you just plug in and, and go kind of and thing. go yeah yeah i mean the price is right on them yeah they're not they're not crazy money no um, uh let's see modern vintage dan and dave have you played a larry amplifier um are dan and fortin's cali plus plus and rock monster mods still exactly the same can you discuss those two mods uh well mike doesn't do mods um mike just does production stuff um so i mean me me and mike were were sharing ideas and things back probably i would say it was a while back the last time we kind of sort of collaborated on stuff it was probably pre-2015 i would guess so if 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 mike has done anything like that since there could be differences i don't know for sure i mean i've i've just kind of over the years gradually started to dial them in in ways that i think sound better you know little changes here and there things that are just like they're, they're subtle refinements i would say um because i think you just learn over the course of time okay that just sounds better to my ears and at the end at the end of the day if you're paying me to mod it my taste in in tone when i'm modding something may be different to another tech doing the same recipe so mm -hmm. i'm the one who's got to sign my name off on the chassis and say okay this is the best i can do right now so if that's the case then um I'll always put in changes or, or other things that I that I feel are only beneficial to the sound. But but yeah, I don't know if, if Mike's done anything like that since then, then it could be it could be they're the same recipe, it could be they're maybe slightly different. So I, I can't honestly say. Okay. Uh, James Abel, speaking of plexis on 10 i recently cranked my 72 that dan just talked me into buying here at home for a brief minute epic oh yeah <laughs> the, the night was recovered yeah i once took my b100 it was like within the first week of owning it and i i turned it up to about five um and which is basically max and I remember my out my neighbor across the street came out of their house and was looking outside like this just <laughs> like what the hell is going <laughs> and I real I saw her from these windows over here and I and then lowered everything <laughs> really yeah like, we we're lucky we have a you know I have a uh, shop so at the shop it doesn't there's no makes no difference what we do yeah. yeah we could play 100 watts on 10 all day long every day it would be fine that's awesome yeah, yeah I, I, it wouldn't be fine because it'd be deaf but right <laughs> yeah by the way speaking of going deaf i just recently i played with the band um uh, play with a bunch of guys that i played with for years and um i used those heroes earplugs mm -hmm. they were great hmm. i'm not you know they just on the in a pinch if you don't have really you know professionally molded mm. earplugs i've never used a set of ear earplugs in my life really no. wow. <laughs> <laughs> well i can tell you i've got tinnitus yeah. same yeah so yes. I, I yep i just hear it all the time so uh, so i if i didn't do it it would be so bad with the i just i was dreading it actually uh, uh, yeah it's horrible 
you, yeah if, if, like, you, I, if you're like prone to that then yeah it, once it kicks in it, you can go through phases of being like six months without a single whistle in your ears and then just one tiny little noise will trigger it and it will mm -hmm. be back for months and then it goes away again for me mm -hmm. it just comes and goes so you see I, mine's pretty constant but i saw a video by henning Polly mm -hmm. just recently that he did a, on ear protection and he said he was taking high a high dose of ginkgo biloba and it actually helped it go away nice so i wrote him i said tell what what was the milligram and I'm, i think i'm going to try it because I, I do have this ringing and it was from years of actually not guitar playing it was from drumming in a, drums uh, for me. yeah drums in a in, in the practice place that we used to have which were like uh warehouses you know where they stored people stored their shit that's when mm -hmm, that yeah. we would rent them um you know a warehouse each month we put carpet up and you know they were made, made of metal no god and, yeah it was brutal i it's like I being in a it's like being in a spring reverb tank right you know it's just, everything just wants to bounce you know unless, unless there's just carpet like on the ceiling on the floor on the walls well, there was not on the car on the ceiling, so it was on the walls. We tried as best we could, but still, it was you know yeah. it was horrible, and uh, yeah. the drums killed me. Uh, destroy hearing, yeah, totally. Uh, Lou Sequoia, how are you, man? Thanks for the super chat. Hey guys, what was the what was the design flaws on the JCM eight hundred split channel and JCM nine hundreds? No tech wants the modest split channel. <laughs> yeah, we kind of talked about that earlier, right? We did talk about that. I mean, it's just it's just the split channel isn't isn't the right architecture uh circuit wise uh for most of these mods we're talking about doing uh so it's not something easily moddable basically you can gut it and put two channels of your liking in it uh which is probably the best and quickest way to do the mods on them um uh but it does cost you a lot more money to do that i mean you know it's probably i wouldn't i mean i don't off the top of my head it's if i had to do that it I'd probably charge you an extra five hundred dollars or something. And yes. <laughs> you know? and for, me, for me, it would nearly double the cost because if you think about it, like when you can work with an existing circuit board, it's when you have to put a new board in. It's not just oh well, we can just slap the new board in. You you've got to like remove everything else first. You've got to build that board. You know, I don't know about yeah. you, but I don't just keep like uh, regular spare yeah. boards flying around. So I have yeah. to build one every time, and then. Um, you know, it just, it just, it's it just a lot of labor. It's labor and time. So, you know, yeah, double your, well, close to double your cost, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And then after you rebuild the amp to something, then you sort of mod it and tweak it from there. So then that's on top of that. So, yeah. And you can't use those full width boards in those, uh, in those split channel ones. The preamp tubes are really close to the middle of the chassis. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I just built one recently, uh, and it had like a board that was like high watt style. Yeah, the whole way along, I I couldn't fit anything else in there because then if you got push pull parts, there's no room for them. Mm -hmm. They hit the board, so you know that's the that's the issue. Mm. And the nine hundred, just forget it can, in general. <laughs> I yeah, mean, the, the, it, it's half solid state, you know. Oh mm. yeah, yeah. If if you go with the um. What's the other one? The SLX or yeah, something? But there's another one as well, yeah. not just the SLX. There's two tube ones that have diode clipping, but yeah. they're not full solid state. Those ones are tweaked and they came out great. Um, 
I didn't I didn't do like a full blown mod like you and I would call yeah. a proper like mod, but I worked on them from a case to case basis, and they came out good. You just have to kind of be mindful of the fact that, like we said, with crosstalk and other things happening, mm-hmm. you're there's going to be a limit to how far you can go. Yeah, I, I think. Guitars, music, and tech. Thanks for the super chat. Hi, Dan. It's Neil from the next street. <laughs> Great <laughs> to see you on. Just around the corner. Yeah, he's going to yell out the window. Hey, Dan. Hey. Great to see you on here. Still playing the JVM every day after five years. I will be bugging you about my 900 SLX that we were just talking about. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, I, I saved his. Uh, he, he had a, a JVM that we could not figure out what was wrong with it marshall actually built a new board they they believe the board itself where it's a multi-layer board inside they think that some of the layers were were melted through mm. so they just were like you know what we don't make the board at the moment but we'll fire up the machine and make you one so that was cool cool uh someone said is mark's internet dying getting pretty ro- resolution in the webcam hmm. not on our end no, it looks okay on mine. Okay, all right. Uh, JCM Les Paul, thanks for the uh, the super chat. Cheers, Dan. He said, "Ah, that's Josh." Hey, Josh. Cool. Uh, let me scroll down here. Chi, thanks for the super chat. What's the difference between the Cameron Aldrich versus the Gullub Sure Aldrich mod? Hmm. Well, I've I've seen both. I don't know about you, Dave. Uh, I think they're totally different, aren't they? They are completely different. Yeah, it's not even in the remote no. vicinity of each other. No, the 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 Gollop, um surf thing is, you know, it's like he's the trademark SE yeah lead thing. You know, uh, that's like all all tube and uh, two cold stages. Yeah, cathode yeah. follower as well. The mm-hmm. camera stuff isn't isn't cathode. Yeah, no cathode follower. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, very, very different. And to me, they, they don't even sound similar. Hmm. Totally different mods. Yeah. They're both really cool. One one of them I think sounds better when you're plugged straight in, which is the camera. I think the Sir one, for my taste, it sounds wicked cool if you if you hit it with a pedal. Like just just to boost it a little more. Because mm-hmm. the the amp is a bit thicker, I say a bit yeah. thicker. It's significantly thicker, yeah. but yeah, it takes boost like a champ. It's really really cool. Hmm. Got a super chat from State Curious, which says see, see below, which I will. Uh, I have an older eighty Strat, but it feels harder to bend the higher strings. The action is low, but I'm stumped. Could it be that the nut needs adjustment? I'm using nine to forty two strings. It feels harder to bend the higher strings. Hmm. Well, there's a few things that it could be the case. For me, um, I found that some of my guitars, if the truss rod um, is maybe way out of whack, uh, if it's if it's one of the extremes, if it's if it's too backbowed or if it's too if it's really dead straight, then it might be that you want to be somewhere in between those extremes. Um, the, the nut height could be too could be too high. I mean, I I personally almost go too low with my nut uh, height on the on any of my guitars, just mm-hmm. because for me the lower it is, if you can go like as low as, as possible 
without that thing fretting out on the on the first fret when you play open strings, then um, it will feel effortless to play. I would agree. Uh, yeah, it's a big, big yeah. factor. Most of like high end, uh, a high end guitars would have will have a, a quite a low nut, like Sirs and Tom Anderson guitars and things, things that are really you know, they they do it well and it's very low. But I agree, if that nut is too high, it feels awful to play. Yeah, uh, it's just, other, it's just clunky. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's awkward. And the the other thing uh, that that can also be a factor. Is depending how many springs you've got on the tremolo if it's not locked down like if it's floating and you've got two springs in it you have to bend further to reach that note whereas if you have three springs in there you actually feel like you don't have to bend so far because mm-hmm. every time you bend the bridge lifts yeah. with it so that's another thing like the van halen way with the two springs i i can't play that way at all because i'm i came up on three spring super strats you know always so for me that's how i'm used to it but two springs yeah, but, but he had it locked down to the body so that's true it, yeah it wouldn't, exactly. it wouldn't it wouldn't really come up and also it was nine you know it was nines to the e flat so yeah if you if you go to tens you can't do two springs anyway once you go to tens you need three springs at least from what i found so yeah i think so yeah yeah it's it's one of those things um L Scott Music, thanks for the super chat. How many useful mods are possible in an amp? <laughs> Do standard mods need to be tailored to each amp. Um, I guess it's how similar. many are possible. I've seen it. I've seen a couple of Dan's amps that have quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm probably at the point where I'm I'm kind of pushing. You know, I'm pushing it a bit with how much I can physically fit on the panels. <laughs> I saw one recently that was this like, it's like, holy fuck, how many gain stages could we possibly need here? <laughs> which, it was like gain, was, it was, was it, switching um, and gain and all sorts of stuff. Was was that um was that one of the Rock Monster ones with another channel in there on the back? I think so. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and and I I I don't even remember how many gain stages, but it was like it, it went from like. It's gain five. to stupid gain to even stupider <laughs> gain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like looking at it. I had to fix it for someone that he sent it yeah. to me. You know, and uh, something was wrong. Or and um, I'm like, holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm kind of sick in the head. Um, yeah. I mean, no, I mean it was it was cool. It was just uh, yeah, I was just like. Well, okay, that's like three stages too many for me. Yeah, ex- exactly. If if you if you love compression, it's cool because the the trick with that is I try to go to the limit um, where it doesn't do that. You know, you know how it is when you've got like a, a a gain circuit that's got too much gain and it will drive into like blocking distortion. Yeah, you get that like that yeah. thing that happens where it takes like a second to rise back up. And mm-hmm. I. I basically thought to myself, like, okay, how, how much gain can I pull out of this thing without it going to that point, you know? And if it does reach that point, how do we get past that point? And right. uh, that that kind of was that kind of was the challenge with that one. So yeah, I it, did it. It, it works. <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't fart out. Like, no matter how much gain you put in, it's just like you get to a point where how much do I actually need is the question. Right. Yeah. Um, Ben Goddard, thanks for the super chat. Hey, Dan, love my 76 Marshall with kill, killer Cali 
mod. Any plans for a production model in the future like Friedman has done? I was going to hey, ask you about that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, to be honest, the, the reason I haven't gone further into that stuff is because I've just been so but like backed up with mods. Um, you kind of get to a point where you're just you're just trying to get to the top, you know, the wall to you're drowning sometimes. So mm -hmm. I'm just uh, trying to get through work. And maybe when I'm not so, you know, rammed with work all the time, I'll, I'll perhaps look into that side of things. I mean, it's getting to a point anywhere where I'm doing so much with these amps anyway um that it probably makes sense to just go the route of of actually building them from scratch because if you think how much like i'm actually pulling out of these things and rebuilding and all the other oh, stuff yeah. it's it, there's so much drilling that i'm doing on these things it's sickening i mean i i counted one amp i think i drilled 40 holes in a in an amp or something including screw holes and mounting holes and things like you know for tube sockets but you know, if you're adding like three extra tubes, other channels, tube buffered loops, um, yeah, you, you get to a point where you start thinking to yourself, yeah, I probably need to put this into a like a production model rather than just keep doing the mod thing. But the thing is, though, it it seems to me that the mod thing can sometimes be attractive to people who don't want a brand new amp. Yeah, uh, and I've I've found that there's loads of guys who are willing to spend more on a mod. Than they will spend on a brand new amp, mm -hmm. and I don't know why. Uh, I don't know what the deal is. Maybe it's a nostalgic thing because a lot of the a lot of the guys who come to me, their heroes played modded Marshalls. They love the idea of having like uh, a beaten up old Marshall JMP or a Plexi or eight hundred, and just having this thing hot rodded to hell. So there's there's a market for it, and I've just kind of been riding that wave. Um, that's that's simply all there is to it. I've just been it's, riding that wave. To be growing. Stops. It seems to be growing. I mean, when you have videos like Pete Thorne doing, you know, these Jose videos and pe people are really, really, I think, really into it these days and want to want to have their their amps modded. You know, they're even buying these right. smaller marshals just to have modded. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I found. Yeah. People are out and buying um, like brand new marshals sometimes to bring to me. I had a guy go out and buy one of the, the hand wired models. And just mm -hmm. like he literally bought it brand new, the, the store just delivered it straight to me. First thing I did was basically rip everything out. And <laughs> just like, it, it, yeah, you get to that point where you're just thinking, yeah, I really need to just, you know, build these from scratch rather than yeah. just like tearing apart brand new amps. But if people are, are up for doing it, then I'm happy to do it. It's, I'm not going to sit there and complain. I'm very grateful that people are sending in their amps to me. Yeah. Do you have another guest, Dave? Oh, okay. Um, Toshi MMM Fight. Thanks for the super chat again. I have a question for Dave. I've seen this too. Sierra Tone, if I'm saying that right, is selling copies of the BE amp. Are the copyright issues okay? Well, they're, the circuits you can't really copyright. So, um, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it's not the exact same amp. It's not the same transformers. It's not, you know, all the stuff you're getting. Uh, you're also not getting the warranty and anything else with it. Um, uh, if they use my name, then there's a problem. But if they say BE, um, no, that that's not copyrighted. Friedman's copyrighted. Mm. I've seen that Mayan Oscoff guy. The guy from 
Yeah. The, yeah. No, isn't it Russia? Not Yugoslavia, is it? I, I don't know where. Maybe yeah. he's from Russia, but yeah. I worked. I, I modified a, a, a one of his Soldano preamp copies. Did you? Uh, yeah, it was actually quite well done, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've heard the work is actually good, but I heard it doesn't I mean, sound I mean, yeah, like, like, like how he got around. It's interesting. He 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 redesigned how the switching was done from an original Soldano preamp, but uh, it was all correctly done. He just used minimal amounts of tubes uh, to do it. Uh, where Mike used more tubes to do the same thing. Um, Who is this guy? What's called Mayanoskov? That's his last name, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He makes the single rack space preamps or double rack space preamps and stuff in out of Russia, I think. Yeah, he does yeah. like a 5150, an SLO. I think he does a BE. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think hey. I saw one of his. I know someone who's got the, the JCM 800 preamp that he yeah. makes. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I I wish there's something you could do, but there's not really anything you can do. So you know, you, but you know, you're still buying a clone. Yeah, you know? it doesn't have your. Yeah, it doesn't have your quality control and yeah, everything to back it. Yeah, so yeah. why the real thing? I mean, that's you know, Surya Tone also makes uh, you know the Cameron circuits and the Jose circuits and the Eb. Yeah. Uh, Levi circuits and everything else. Yeah. You know, back in the day I was I was uh attracted to it because the price was better, you know. Because mm -hmm. some sure. you know, it's a guy out in another country, you know, who's charging lower pricing. But at the end of the day, I was like, eh, I don't really want to do it. Right. Uh, a row, thanks for the super chat. Hey guys, any experience with Hammond output transformers and what brand do you trust and suggest? Um, Hammond, uh, makes, uh, Marshall clone transformers, uh, that sound pretty good actually. Um, yeah. long time ago when I first started the company, I used to use their transformers. Um, but then since later moved to custom transformers from Haybor. Um, so I mean, for, for me, output transformers, I like, well, there's not many companies left doing it first off. Here in no. the U.S., so there's there's Haybor transformers, which pretty much everyone uses. Mercury there's Mercury transformers. Uh, there used to be Classic Tone magnetic components, but they went out of business during this last year. Yeah. Um. So, and a couple other small companies, but those are the contenders that almost make everyone's transformers. Um. <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan of Mercury magnetic transformers. Um, although they have some that sound fine, sound good. Um, but uh, I don't think they quite sound like the older transformers. Uh, so, you know, hey, Bor, for me. Yeah, I like the, I like the Hammond too. Um, like I've, I've literally just put a Hammond in a, in a JCM 800 or J&P that I'm working on at the moment. I think it's their 1650, I think they call yeah. it or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's good. Um, it's, a, it's a good transformer. I've done two or three of those installs over the over the years. The trick to it is just, you know, make sure you put the like the little reinforcement brackets on them if you put them in marshals because yeah. they get dropped. <laughs> you end up with one that goes over or something. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. other than that, they're, they're, they're solid. Um, the Mercury's are, are, are cool, but I think you 
have to kind of approach the design a little bit different with them. I found that I had to add like some extra capacitance, uh, like on the phase inverter and stuff like that, things to smooth out the, the top end because I found them to be not brighter. Uh, I would say grit, gritty. Yeah, they're darker stars. almost. In they're darker the and they're, they're darker and they're kind of gritty. There's like a grit to them, which is really cool. If that's what you're, if that's what you're going for, it can be a little bit more pissed off sounding, mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily like a classic Marshall output transformer tone. Right. You know? Right. Interesting. Uh, we've got a super chat from Mod Squad Music. What's up, Dan? It's Ralph. Proud of you, buddy. Cheers from New York. Hey, Ralphie. Awesome. That's yeah, cool. Ralph's cool. I've, I think I've known Ralph online for like 20 years. We've never actually met, but we've known each other through online forums and, and everything for so long. Yeah. That's cool. Modern Vintage, another super chat. Thank you. Dave, what differences do you notice in feel and tone with your original SLO versus a bad SLO? Well, when the, when the, uh, when they redid the SLO, um, we were comparing to an old one that was Mike Soldano's. Um, and at the time when we were a being back and forth with an amp switcher, so we were doing it fairly, you know, you could dial them in to be exactly the same. Um, so not that much different. Okay. Does Dan offer a Fortin Meshuggah type of modern mod? Um, it depends. Like, are we talking Meshuggah tone? Um, is that what he's asking for? If, if so, I mean, you could do that for sure with a Killer Cali. Um, it, it will definitely do that. I mean, um, I've, I've got a few a few customers who play like totally like gen type really really aggressive like eight string stuff and they're using killer callies i mean with with the um with the the push pull like bright switches and stuff on the game pots you can make the tone get that really quacky attack so the kind of thing you wouldn't necessarily use in standard tuning because it'd be kind of obnoxious sounding but you put it on an eight string guitar it's just heaven it, everything just kind of holds together really good so yeah i mean if if you're looking for that type of sound yeah go with uh go with the killer cali Okay, cool. Uh, Antman50, thanks for the super chat, and I see it. Uh, it's a question for Dave. Uh, Dave, have you worked on John Sykes Marshall? Does he use a boost overdrive in front of the amp to get his sound? No, he just plugs straight in. Mm. He's have like a really non-effect guy. Yeah, he's like, so. he's like really, really like Eric Johnson level, uh, like – uh, like he doesn't want anything in the signal path, right? Right, like, right. He's like really a purist kind of when it comes yeah. to it. Uh, did, did you work on his amp recently? Or I've worked on a couple of his amps. I also I also tweaked the an old Marshall to be like the you know uh, stock uh, Van Halen spec Variac kind of thing too, which he's had a lot of fun with recently. Awesome. I saw, I saw a. Um, I saw a picture of inside of one of his Jose's. Mm. I'm wondering if you worked on it recently, maybe, or if it's one of the ones you saw. Maybe. I think uh, it's the one. It's the it's the most recent purchase I think he got because I I managed to get a picture before it changed hands. Hmm. 
I don't know if I worked on that one. The one I worked on was a very old one he's had for a long time. Right. So, this, and this one, I think uh, there was another tech at one point who maybe had his hands in it, but he didn't change anything. I think it was Jerry Blaha. Oh yeah. Uh huh. I think he maybe worked on it. I don't know. Yeah. But I don't even know if that guy's still around. No, uh, he passed away actually. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, another another example of a Jose though. I think it was like more or less same kind of thing that we were talking about earlier. Nothing really stand out about it. Hmm. No, it's a, it's a um, you know, gain state. I mean, it's 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 you know, it d- did have the clipping diodes, but yeah, the, the um, one I saw was the three three in one. Yeah, like the three way three in one thing with the push yeah. ball. Yep. Yeah. Same same thing. Cool. Uh, Feline Guitars, thanks for the super chat. I see your question here. Dave, could we get Dan Gower into the Synergy family so we can get his mods as modules as we need those sounds and Lee G- Jackson module and the Vise Jose would be additions too. I I raise my hand. Yes, I'll buy them. <laughs> uh that, that might be a possibility in fact maybe we should talk about that <laughs> yeah. yeah that would Never be cool it is it's mailbox money yeah mailbox. So, <laughs> it is mailbox money that's what it is yeah you, you, you know you get a check quarterly yeah feline guitars you pay twice i'm sorry you had to do that i see your question though thank you um yeah, that guy that Feline Guitars, Jonathan, he makes beautiful guitars. Really, really awesome stuff. Cool. Really nice guy. Cool. I'm get, getting to the rest of the questions here. Uh, let's see. Okay. Tyler Britton, thanks for the super chat. Dave, have you heard about Cantrell's new, new solo album coming up? I'd assume he's using his JJ on the album, question mark. Any info you know about it? I don't have any info about it. I know when he was, I know when he started recording it, which was right before the pandemic hit. And then I know he, I know he's finished it. And that's about as much as I know about it. So, and yes, I'm assuming he was, he was definitely using uh, some of his amps, of course. Mm-hmm. Modern Vintage, I, I, maybe we didn't a- answer that before about Larry amplifiers. I haven't heard about Larry amplifiers um have you guys i know i know larry i mean i don't think we when necessarily connected uh i think we've maybe messaged a few times in the past but uh he makes beautiful amps no oh, yeah really, he's working really, it's really yeah it's un, it's unreal i mean I, yeah. I think they're they're crazy money and i think i think it's the kind of thing where you pay like like ten thousand ten thousand euros or something but it's yeah. yeah, I mean, he's he's a master of his craft. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah. Be- beautiful stuff inside. I, I've never had the pleasure of hearing one, but I mean... No, I've never played one. I've seen uh, pictures. Yeah, really really nicely done. Great mm-hmm. stuff. And he, he was like, um, he was really connected on the, the Metroid forum. Yeah. Um, for a long time. Yeah, that's where... Yeah, a knowledgeable guy. See, at first I, I, I was thinking, what do they mean Landry? No, no, no. Larry Amps. Yeah. Larry Amps. I've never... Yeah. Where are they based out of? U.S.? Germany. Oh, yeah, Germany. Yeah, Germany. Okay. And Dave, what is the name of the company in China, Europe that makes cheaper Fortin and Dover amp parts, amps and parts? There's a company called Straight Edge that 
do uh, cabinets and they make uh i think they also make uh victory amps too if i'm not mistaken it's a manufacturing company that that does you know amplifier cabinets and different things i think a long time ago they were involved with um cornford and things hmm. okay so i want to thank uh bv ninja for being the moderator on our show he's always so helpful um guys make sure uh check out the sure mic giveaway today okay uh click the link or check it out um bruce thanks for the super chat hi guys if i want to run celestian v30s with g12 h's do i want to run an x pattern or should one be on top of the other in the four by twelve uh could go either way uh, uh depends uh, you know the when i was doing combinations of stuff i did the my combination for a reason uh i put the vintage 30s in the bottom and the greenbacks on top greenbacks are a little more forgiving on the ear and the vintage 30s you know have that push and punch to it um so i put those in the bottom it was just a concept i could have done an x pattern um will they sound different uh, that's a very good question <laughs> You know, yeah. from far away, maybe not. Um, um, you might hear one speaker much more than the other, regardless of the wattage. Um, um, one thing I'll say is, like, I, I was playing around a little while ago with mixing, uh, you know, in just the 2 by 12 I was mixing a, a vintage 30 with a <laughs> old G1280. Mm -hmm. And G1280 on paper should have been louder. It isn't because it doesn't have the mid-push of the mm -hmm. v30 so it doesn't right. cut as it doesn't cut through to the point where you hear it first um i swapped it with a one of those creamback g12h models the creamback yeah. 75 and i tell you what that thing drowned the, the, the v30 out you couldn't hear the v30 anymore hmm. um it, it was it was noticeably louder in the room um so i would say maybe just listen to both and and see which you like the sound off the most of the two and then the one that you feel is bringing in the blending uh sort of attributes to the tone put that one at the lowest point perhaps if if you if you want to do that you could put that at the bottom and then put the the one you like the most at the, mm -hmm. the top but i mean there's, there's so many ways to skin a cat it's it's really endless you the best thing you can do is try both Right. I mean, it doesn't cost yeah. anything if you've got the soldering iron and the other parts to do it. So definitely, yeah. uh, definitely experiment. Cool. Uh, Toshi, MMA, uh, MMA fight. Uh, thanks again for the super chat. Dan, Dave, thanks for answering my questions. It's late at night in Japan, but I'm going to enjoy until the end. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> got to be late. Excellent. He's a warrior. It's got to be like 4 a.m. there. Um, yeah, it's got to be, right? Yeah, you know, uh, and and the funny thing is, uh, uh, back a few super chats with L Scott Music, uh, and uh, you know, I'm, I was just looking back at that. I don't know if we really answered uh, how many useful mods are possible in an amp. Well, it's endless. Dan's proved oh, yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, yeah. you know, do you tailor it to the amp, the mods to the amp? And the and the question and the answer is yes. You you generally listen once you get the mod up and going. Then you're listening to it and you're going, why doesn't that sound right? <laughs> every single time and, and then you know you got to go oh, okay let me try this and you know to tweak it around until you get that particular amp sounding like you want to hear it in your head you know yeah 
it's, it's exactly the same here. The amount of time I that I spend after the mod tweaking Polishing. It, yeah, honestly, it's it's to the point where I have to actually get to a point where I, I just say to myself, look, you're you're reaching a point now where we're ninety nine point nine percent there. Just yeah. stop. Because Stop. otherwise, I will just sit up all night doing it. I'll just like, or, or you know, the best the best part is when you sit there and tweak on it forever, and then wind up coming back to what you had originally. Yes, <laughs> and you're just like going, "Fuck, that was a waste yeah. of time." <laughs> totally. This, this is also the big thing, though. Like, I I got into years ago. I got into using decade boxes. Yeah, you know the you know the like the, the component switches because I truly believe that your audio memory is so short that anything that you think that you heard before. In fact, I actually had a, a, a customer that sat with me once and he was adamant that the amp sounded different. I took the amp in the other room and I told him I changed out two parts. I didn't change a thing. Mm -hmm. I brought it back in. He was over the moon, so happy. He was like, it's there, it's back again. The, t the, the tone's perfect, <laughs> right? He genuinely like, and I told him, I didn't lie to him. I, I told him straight after and it didn't cost him anything, but I was just honest, I was like, look, I didn't change anything. And he's like, oh, wow, okay. And like, it's it's at that point. So I think when you have like uh, switching boxes for like different caps, different resistors, you know, like those big, uh, yeah. if you buy some of those big like wire wound pots, you can, you know, you can work high voltages with those and, and sweep around. You know, it, it, yeah, it's, it's funny too. That That's why whenever I'm A-being anything or doing anything, I use amp switchers. Uh, so go. you can, you can A-B in real time. And it's interesting when people know what they're looking at, when they're looking at it and they know which one is what, when you're switching, mm -hmm. they have a bias to what they're hearing. So if they, if there's, if you're a being at whatever, a Friedman and a Marshall and, and they tend to, you know, like old Marshalls or something, they're going to always pick the Marshall. Now, if you blindfold them and they don't know, and then do the same test back and forth a majority of the time it's not the same outcome no. uh and and you know and and the other thing too sometimes we all get hung up on on you know what tubes we're using and and what components we're using and and this and that and the funny thing is that i found too where i can take two production amplifiers retube them with a totally different set of tubes brand everything and then use an amp switcher and dial them in. And I say dial them in to be the same. Mm -hmm. So you have your reference amp and then you just turn the knobs on the other amp till it matches to your ear. And, uh, you know, generally speaking, 99.9% .9 of the time you can make the amp with a totally different tube set. It's not exactly the same as the other amp. Yeah. You just okay. The presence now might be a little higher, a little lower, or the treble right. might be a little higher, lower, and mid. Or the EQ sections are, you know, it's it's it, that's it's <laughs> it's amazing when you when you when you it, it's also knowing like, your own amp too, right? Yeah, true. If, if, yeah. if you like, for example, like you can probably pull that off better than say maybe a customer would. You yeah. might know exactly what to tweak. No. Um, so when you, when you know your own product really good, like, I mean, I've, I've done that the same kind of thing with, um, with an amp, uh, and I basically like a bead with one with 34s and one with 58 81s. 
Mm-hmm. And I dialed them in close enough that honestly I could have picked either. Now I will say they felt slightly different, very, mm-hmm. very slightly different. I would say the the 34s just felt a little bit easier. Not mm-hmm. much, but we're talking like like five percent. Yeah. It's really subtle. I had to really, really like dig deep to like work that out. But yeah. Yeah. I remember really the video, fun. Dave, where you, you were at GitCon with uh Henning and uh a bunch of other amp guys. Yeah. I think and you guys were picking out which amp was whose mm-hmm. and uh you picked out yours immediately <laughs> <laughs> like yeah that's my amp <laughs> yeah. which was which was cool i thought that was funny yeah. um we tuned into our own stuff totally yeah modern vintage dan i thought the rock monster would, would be closer to the mashuga amp gent sound since nolly has one <laughs> Uh, what do you m- most recommend the RM mod for? Well, okay, so Nolly had also a killer Cali, and um, he doesn't go for the typical gen tone. I think because he was with Periphery, everyone kind of like sort of throws him in that category. And if you hear if you hear a if you hear Nolly playing, he is like a ripping hard rock player. He's not just a metal guy. Uh, he he can kind of just pull out anything out of a guitar and an amp. I mean, he's another one of those guys where, like I was saying with Josh from Silosis, you can just plug him into anything and he just sounds like himself every time. Um, he's got he's got Freedom stuff. He's got two, maybe three amps that I modded, I think. Um, he's got dozens of other things. And I've, I've heard him pull out tones that are nearly the same with every one of them. It's just like... So, oh, yeah. but yeah, he he doesn't typically go for that proper edgy, uh, super quacky, genty thing. If anything, I would say my experience with tweaking his amps, he's usually asking for me to take out some of that peaky, uh, treble peaking kind of sound that you hear on Marshall amps. He usually wants me to like soften some of that out. And I would say with the Rock Monster mod, the reason maybe why he he got one and just loved it straight away is because. That circuit is definitely where it's more compressed and gaining. A lot of those sharp peaks smoothed out. So you're you're getting more of that kind of boosted, ultra liquidy feeling gain response straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's kind of more the thing he's into. But the the wrong one's the thing for me. If if I'm being brutally honest, I heard the tone of say guys like John Sykes on the 87 album, Doug Aldridge with his modded marshals when he played in Dio. Because he had a different tone in Dio, in my opinion, to like the White Snake years. Um, it was a little bit like more, I don't know, it had this laser beam focus to it in the mids, like real gutsy. It wasn't tight at all. It was kind of like a big, just big, fat, almost like I, I want to say like, a, it's kind of like Blues era Gary Moore, but on steroids. It had that kind of thing. Um, and that's sort of what I guess I was going for with the sound with the Rock Monster mod. I, I wasn't really trying to do the, the modern genty uh kind of thing so i would say the the killer cali or honestly you could you could just you could even do it with a a straight jose clone you could do the exact same thing because it's got that any of those circuits that have the um the real shaved off bass response in the front end the b100 or b50 any of those amps that have got that jose kind of front end you'll you'll absolutely find that is so helpful when you're trying to do the whole detune seven eight string or whatever because it just doesn't go to mush yeah um, exactly. whereas so if you've got a lot of low, if you've got a lot of low frequency gain you just yeah it's just completely washed out 
Yeah. And uh, Modern Vintage again. Thank you. Dan, I've heard your KK++ and RM mods are incredibly 3D wide and big. Does vintage versus reissue donor amps make a dif difference after you change your parts? Oh, thanks for the kind words. Um, I, I would say, yeah, it does make a difference. Um, but are you going to hear that difference? That's the question. Because what is your experience with a vintage amp versus a modern amp? Now, if, say, you have ears like Dave and you're, you're totally familiar with a vintage amp, you know how it feels, you know exactly how that thing responds when it's cranked because that is the key. I think when they're cranked, you hear the honest truth. You don't always hear everything at low volume. Um, if, you, if you know that sound and you know the, the tonal kind of response and qualities, you're probably going to hear some of that maybe missing it when you go with the newer one that's modded. Um, but if you, if you start from scratch with a, with a, a reissue and I mod it and I put in some really nice old components, maybe put in mustard caps, uh, you know, uh, load it up with some really good tubes. Um, I mean, if, if you want to, you can all, you can even swap the output transformer if you really want to. I mean, if you, if you go with something, if you can even get your hands on maybe like, a uh, on eBay, sometimes you can even find old diagonal transformers and things like that, that have just been taken out of. JC, JCM 800s or JMPs or whatever, you know, you can put one of those in and that will get you a lot of the result that you might want versus maybe going out and buying a true vintage amp that you're probably not going to want to mod. So, but I don't know. I, I don't think, I don't think I'd go through all that hassle. I just appreciate the newer one for what it is because it's going to sound awesome if it's been tweaked. Like I'm not going to let it off my bench unless I'm personally happy with it. I'm not, I'm not into that. So mm. I'll always put in the extra hours just to make sure that for my taste, it's really, really, you know, doing it for me. So I've modded like absolutely, you know, tons of those uh, reissues and I've never, ever had anyone, you know, um, dissatisfied. They've always been super happy with it. So good tubes, good parts, good mod. Yep. You should be happy with it, I think, you know. All right. Uh, Jason Zebra 3. Dave, are you still working on an amp with built-in own hammer IR capabilities? You will see. <laughs> <laughs> there might be multiple products. Okay, awesome. Um, well, I've gone through all the super chats. Uh, we're way over two hours now. Um, I know, Dave, you got to go to work, right? I got to work. Yeah, I have like uh, 30 amps sitting. <laughs> okay. nah. So, oh, we got one more question here. Uh, um, it just popped in. Here we go. Combustion. Uh, hey, Dave, you currently have my BE50 Deluxe, and I had asked for the Razor mod, but is there anything you'd recommend more for detuned 6-7 string hard rock metal playing? If not, feel free to play around with it. I know you, you you've been emailing me and I'm plan on uh, getting your thing done shortly. I know it's been here forever. <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, I'll, I'll make it killer. There you go. That's nice. Um, okay. All right. So I think we're good. This, this has been an awesome show. Oh, here's another, yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. another one. Another one just popped up. <laughs> all right uh mr anderson dave you want to sell that slo maybe <laughs> any bias suggestions about the slo 
Uh, I think 25 or 27 millivolts is too low. Um, would at least at least creep it up to at least 30. Um, that's my thought. Um, yeah. So definitely. at least 30, 30, 35, maybe somewhere in there. Um, do I want to sell it? Probably for yeah, for the right amount of money. <laughs> Uh, and any more? I'm not exactly sure what that is. Combustion says, no worries. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> Michael Nielsen in the house. What's up? Thanks. Thanks hey, Michael. Michael. All right. So we are working on finalizing our 100th show and guest. We will make that announcement uh, soon. We may take some time off between that and our uh-huh. 100th show. So we will uh, we'll let you know. I know I've got a vacation coming up in early June. Um, but our next guest is Tom Bukovac. Uh, and that is, uh, let me make sure, um, May 21st. So back to a Friday night. Um, so you know what? Did I say we were 99? Yeah, <laughs> I think that was wrong. Yeah, this is 98, actually. Yeah. You're right. Bukovac's 99. Not Bukovac's 99. I fucked up. Okay. All right. So this was 98. I'll edit this out. So uh, I'll edit it. So it says 98. But yeah. So 99 is Tom Bukovac. And then 100, we'll let you know. Okay. Cool. And then we've got a bunch of other people who are coming down the line. Um, Like I said, uh, working on Dweezil Zappa, Mark Farner from. uh, Oh, God. I'm just totally forgot the band grand uh, funk railroad grand funk railroad there you go yeah. uh we've got wing kramer justin bryan and uh guillaume from two notes are going to be coming on mm-hmm. um so once we book the 100th show and that's all finalized and the rest of the shows will come flowing afterwards so uh you guys make sure you check out sweetwater microphone month sure microphones get your microphones there subscribe to the show please and uh, <laughs> and Dan, can't thank you enough for coming on the show. It was excellent. Thanks so much for having me on the show, guys. Yeah. It's been a blast. It's been awesome. really cool. Cool. Just hang on while we say goodbye. And uh, everybody have a great weekend. All right. See you. Take care.